Frank Isola, Israel Gutierrez, David Ennis Jr., Clinton Yates. There are weekends with big games and new stories. But in the pound-for-pound pound division, this will go down as one of the best weekends we see all year. Amazing, impossible, inconceivable results. Let's go! Yeah, I know. Love that call. Jack Edwards. Number one, we start with number one. NFL news at the moment. Combine has teams gathering in Indianapolis. There is plotting going on, maybe, allegedly. Adam Schefter reporting. The Chicago Bears have been approached by multiple teams about the number one pick, and now the Bears leaning towards trading the number one pick. That's all I need to tell you, National Panel. Frank, I sold around the horn to you. Would this be the right path for the Bears, trading number one? Absolutely, it would be, especially with multiple teams involved. This way you can get them bidding against each other. You drafted a quarterback in Justin Fields. You've invested a lot of time and money in him, and it's not as if you have a franchise quarterback that you believe in in the draft. Maybe Bryce Young could be that guy, but with his cleats on, he's about six feet tall. He's about 190-plus pounds soaking wet. There's question marks about him. I'm going to use those pick, extra picks I get in players to rebuild the offense around Justin Fields and improve my defense. I'm trading that pick. Israel Gutierrez? Well, trading the pick doesn't mean that you're sold on Justin Fields. In fact, trading the pick doesn't even mean you're not going to draft a quarterback. Trading the pick means you're not, by their own words, blown away by what's available at number one. Now, maybe they want a Jalen Carter and feel like they can move a couple of steps down and maybe we'll still draft a quarterback, you know, whatever pick they get after that, late in the first round, second round, etc. So I do think that this is a smart way to go when you don't love what's out there. But I do think it's not ideal for them, A, having said, hey, we'll, we'll trade the pick unless we're blown away. Now they're looking to trade the pick and now it's like leverage-wise, not the best. So maybe you're not going to get back as much value. But I do think that they could still draft a quarterback and play with this sort of uh, with this situation here with the two quarterbacks because they'd both be under rookie deals and obviously the first quarterback Justin Fields is not somebody these GMs drafted. David Dennis Jr. Should the Bears trade the number one pick? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Uh, they say they were leaning towards doing it. I don't know if they've ever really leaned away from trading that pick. That seems to be the plan the whole time. You can't look at somebody like Jalen Hurts and his growth this year and think that it's not possible for Justin Fields to at least do something mm. like that. Mm. And there are so many suitors out there. There's the, you know, the Texans badly want a, a quarterback. The Colts do. Uh, Frank Wright wants a quarterback over there in, in Carolina. And if things don't work out this season, you can have enough picks and your season may go bad enough that you can get the actual, you know, franchise quarterback next year in Caleb Williams. So it's a win-win situation to see what you have this year. Ben Yates. I think they should trade the pick mainly because we can finally get them to commit to a plan and stop hedging bets around the quarterback position and actually find some people to come around to support Jalen, uh, excuse me, Justin Fields. Now, the thing about this is that they also have eight picks in this draft. They don't need to just be stockpiling. They can actually be specific with what they want and still find who they have. The Colts are right there at four. There's some other teams that could give them exactly the position. They're in a good position in terms of what they can do. The matter is, if you get who you want, Make sure you actually go after it because you finally made a commitment. Mm -hmm. All right, unanimous that Bears should trade the number one pick. I saw the last word after the horn. Yeah, I think Izzy made a smart clarification. The idea, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily sold yet on Justin Fields. I mean, they, they didn't have a great record. You know, he does run a lot, which leads to injuries. He was about 68 yards short of the you know, most rushing yards ever by a quarterback in a single season. He's a dynamic player, 
But his accuracy is something that could, that's definitely going to All right, if Israel made a great point, he can get the point and the last word. <laughs> Well, they also are dynamic running the ball, the best running ba- running attack in the league last year. So there's something to build off of. But if you need help, you can get help at the defensive line. They definitely need help there. You need help at the wide receiver position. It would definitely help Justin Fields, at least in the evaluation yeah, process. Right. So there's a lot more the Chicago Bears can do without completely pulling. When you draft number one, you need a lot of help typically. And that's the position Chicago is in. We'll move on. LeBron James said he heard a pop. He still finished the game and dominated. The latest, we don't have an update. Lakers needed every bit of LeBron, though, last night as they came back from 27 down to beat Dallas. Jason Kidd said his Mavs have to grow up. I want to ask you if you think that's Kidd calling out Don, beefing with refs. But first, was this more about the Mavs or Lakers last night, Israel? You know, I think it's more about the Mavs when you consider based on expectations. I think within uh, L.A., probably the expectations are higher in that club, you know, within the locker room, probably not so much publicly. When you talk about the Mavs with the, the pairing of those two superstars, you assume, hey, they can sort of work out the kinks, get everything else right, and still win some games. Instead, they haven't been winning together. And when you talk about Jason Kidd effectively calling out Luka Doncic, not calling him by name, but he's mm-hmm. the youngest guy in that starting lineup. He's the only guy in their 20s in that starting lineup. And he made some childish mistakes, whether it be not knowing the rules at the end that you can go into the backcourt therefore getting that turnover or whether it be complaining with the officials all the time that he even acknowledged is probably getting a little out of control and this isn't the first year we've talked about that so he probably should have known that he should have calmed down a little bit with that so I'd say it's still an issue more of the Mavericks rather than saying hey the Lakers are ready to make David did kid call out Doncic last night is that what you heard when he said we have to grow up yeah it sounded like somebody calling out their star player and also somebody who was fed up with the way that this team is playing, and they need to right this ship immediately. 32-30 and 30 is the worst record that Doncic has had since his rookie year, and all of the blemishes that we talked about with them defensively when they added Kyrie are there. They've given up 60 points in the paint in the last five games. Mm-hmm. With all that said, there's no excuse for blowing a 27-point lead. Like, this is, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and they have to fix this. But in terms of the Lakers... I'm, you know, not as optimistic as as they might be, but this Jared Vanderbilt thing might be a thing. He looks like the 3 and D player Mm. that they are looking for and is somebody who can, you know, help them right the ship. I think at best they're a play-in team, though. Clint Yates. It's not a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It happens once a season. Teams are 138-0 and and leading by 27 before this happened. And so for the Lakers, who were trying to jump teams in the Western Conference, this was important from a morale standpoint as much as it was just from a basketball standpoint. you got to believe you can do it in order for it to happen. Now, LeBron's injury is difficult, but I saw an AD that looked motivated. You mentioned Vanderbilt. This team is finally looking like an actual squad that if they can do the math and get it right before the season ends, have a little bit of a chance to get to the playoffs, which is not something I would have said two weeks. Right, guys, hold you know, as a foremost expert on complaining, I did a FaceTime last year saying that Luca complains <laughs> way too much. It's good that Jason Kidd's caught on. The NBA has become an athletic wing league and a complaining league, and Luca's right at the top of the complaining part. Mm. But let's remember something else. They went all in on Kyrie Irving. They're now one and three when the two of them play together. Remember last week we had to know you take it, I'll take it, you take it, yeah, I'll take yeah. it. And then they had a miscommunication with a backcourt violation. So going all in on Kyrie, this is a team that made the conference finals last year. Did they look like one of the top two teams in the Western Conference? Nothing close Israel to Israel back in. 
One of the really encouraging things that the Lakers can tell themselves is they were struggling shooting the ball in the first quarter. And with the old unit, you probably never figured that that shooting would come back around. And it did in this game, and they overcame that huge uh, deficit there. So they're going to tell themselves, hey, regardless of what we're, whether we're struggling offensively, we know our shooting's going to come around. That's something they haven't been able to say pretty much all season. Dennis Jr. We're talking about all these problems. We're talking about all these problems with the Mavericks. Kyrie Irving is on his best behavior. <laughs> like he's like he's like the, not even a problem yet, and we know that's going to come around before the end of the season. About the LeBron injury, you know, him saying I heard a pop was just stunning, and then to see him play through it and have a slight limp when he left the court. But anybody spy? I mean, he's wearing the mid cuts on his sneakers right now. I mean, that's not a full high top he's wearing. And that surprises me. No, I mean, if this is a plantar fascist situation. Top's overrated. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like he used to wear a that lot limp more. limp was more than pronounced yeah. leaving the game. Leaving the locker room was one thing. Leaving the game Another headline from the NBA last night. Top. Damian Lillard, 71. So in a season of amazing, impossible, inconceivable scores, 71 the number again. That's what ties Donovan Mitchell for season high. And it's the eighth highest game all time in our league. 41 at the half for Leonard. Have you maybe thinking, could he make a run at Colby or even Wilt? So what's 71, David Dennis Jr.? It's not just the amount of points that Dame Lillard is scoring. It's how he's making it look. When he had 61 earlier this season, it was the most efficient game ever. Now he has the most efficient 70-point game, true shooting game in NBA history, and the only person to score 70 points in, in fewer than 40 minutes. He's making it look like it's just routine, and he took his foot off the gas at the beginning of that second half. If this were a closer game and it needed points, we could have been looking at an 80-point mm, game. You think so? I thought so, too, especially when he didn't come out, you know, shooting the way he was in the start of the third quarter. Clinton Yates. Yeah, I believe if anybody's going to break Wilt's 100-point record or get to it, it's going to be Dame because of those exact factors. They need his scoring a lot. In that game, it was evident. And the casualness, again, he's still going after shots. And, you know, that you think at that point you're ready to sort of not mail it in. But I just feel that Dame Litter is going to be a guy that, when we look back at his career, is going to be probably the best scorer of his generation that never mm. wins a ring. But, man, this mm. guy turns in performances left and right. Don't try to tell me there's any such thing as 70-point fatigue in a league like this right now. This guy's feeling <laughs> But guys are scoring like ever before. Remember, at least you have had 47 players score at least 40 points this year. So that's why the score, I get it. They're highly skilled. But Wait a second, Frank. Like are you plus. saying that the 70 now is cut? Co- nope. No. Okay, what are you nope. saying then? I didn't, maybe, maybe 40 could be because 47 players have done it. That's one-tenth of the league. Think about that. Donovan Mitchell had 71. It took him 50 minutes. Damian Lillard did in 39. Here's another one for you. Will Chamberlain. 32 times scored at least 60 points. Kobe's next on the list with six. Guess who's next with five times scoring at least 60? Damian Lillard. That's pretty good company to be in. Israel Gutierrez. Well, I was going to make the joke that if anybody is going to score 100 points in a game, it would be against this year's Houston Rockets. But this wasn't necessarily horrible <laughs> defense that Damian Lillard was playing against. In fact, when you watch the way he has these big games, what's so impressive is if he just squares you up and lines you up from about 40 feet away. And so he makes one or two of those where you're even lightly contesting it. You're thinking, wow, this is going to be a long game because then you have to come out to that. And then he's going to drive by you like he did for the dunk in the fourth quarter of this game. And so it is, it's special to watch him. It's it's just unique than any of you guys that have scored it like this, even 
whether it be Steph or even Kobe. Kobe wasn't taking 40, uh, 40 foot shots when he was no, he wasn't. His no, he wasn't. So Damian Lillard's so unique. Whenever he gets hot like that, you must keep it on. The and he passes Jordan, you know, in career 60 point games at this point, right? And I, Clint, you said it. You know, you put him on a list. You put him on a Mount Rushmore list yep. of scorers all time. Where is he for you, Frank? Is he above Harden all time? Is he above some of those other guys that don't have the big numbers, like like a uh, big final number, like Durant? Where is he all time? I, I, I'd probably put him over Harden. How about the dunk that he had in the game? I'm not going to put him ahead of Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. Israel? Uh, probably ahead of Harden, just below sort of the, the Durants and Kobe's uh, of the world. Mm-hmm. David Dennis, you're going to be the last word. I'd put him maybe one step above Harden, probably top 20 scorers of all time, but I, I wouldn't go anywhere near Kobe. Buy ourselves next. Right there with Dirk. He's also the best rapper in the league. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. How great was the ending of Sixers? Celtics, amazing, impossible, inconceivable. Tatum's crowning the C's comeback. And then Embiid, a tick too late here. We almost had Mike Green going with a double, triple, quadruple bang. But it was pretty clear early on it was never going to count. Frank, what you buy, what you sell? Uh, Embiid was terrific, but... Philadelphia's now lost three games this season to Boston. Mm -hmm. And Tatum, this is what MVPs do. You don't have a great game, but he did have 13 rebounds. He had six assists, and then he hits the biggest shot of the game for the best team in the league with the best road. Gutierrez. I'm selling any sort of concern if I'm the 76ers. Look at the numbers between these two teams. The Celtics are shooting 44% from three against the Sixers in these three games. And Tatum and Brown only shooting 30% apiece. That means it's all the role players shooting great okay. from three in these games. I don't know if that can continue for a seven-game series. I'm pretty sure. So even though they're 0-3. 0-3. And three. Not like oh and three. three. Yeah. First no. game was the first game of the season, by the way. It doesn't count. David Dennis Jr., takeaway. I mean, it counts. I'm, <laughs> absolutely counts. I'm buying. I'm actually buying the concern for the 76ers. To Izzy's point, 
uh, Jason Tatum uh, did not play well in this game. You have to win a game where Embiid scores 40 and Jason Tatum struggles. And, you know, they have to just do better. You can't blow that lead. You can't give up 43-18 to 18 second half run. You have to show that you can stand up there with Milwaukee and Boston. They did not do that. Yep, and on your home floor, it's particularly important, though I'm selling the fact that this was even the best three-quarter court shot that didn't count of the weekend. Paul George had the exact same thing happen for the Clippers, (laughs) and they went on to lose in overtime. A couple of It's just amazing, impossible, inconceivable weekend. That's what we're saying here. Speaking of the home floor, for Philly, love, love the look of that. That Wells Fargo. Great look. look Beautiful court. Not busy. We'll move on. Unbusy. Baseball, amazing, impossible, inconceivable finish. This is the first pitch clock, batter delay, cold strike, game ending, bases loaded, 3-2 count, tie this spring. Could have run them up easily. Uh-oh. He's out. Damn, cold strike three. Wow. This is mayhem. This mayhem. Absolute is baseball mayhem. in 2023. Ludicrous. However... However, times of games this weekend with the pitch clock, down 23 minutes on average. A lot of 205s and 215s. Players like Max Scherzer say they love the new rule. Gives pitcher control. So buy or sell what you saw this weekend, Clinton Yates. I'm buying it on the field. This is a particularly oddball situation because it's a spring training game, so it can end in a tie. But there is something I'm selling as far as presentation is concerned. I don't need to see the actual pitch clock on my television screen. If I'm at the ballpark, I'm not looking at that clock anyway. I think it should be something more akin to tennis and the serve clock where you don't see it. It just continues the pace of the game so that you don't actually notice it. You're just focused on what's actually happening on the baseball field. That would be my one tweak. Otherwise, get in the box, hit the ball. That's what you're there for. You're buying the way that game ended between Boston. How else are people going to learn how to follow the rules unless they got called out according to the rules? That's what spring training. Bukowski thought it was going to be called on the pitcher. He's throwing the first. And I know. He, he won the game, exactly. but he lost the game. You're, you're buying that. David Dennis Jr.? I'm selling the end to this game, even though it wasn't necessarily mayhem. I'm selling the fact that a game could end this way. I'm all about the the pitch clock and the way they're speeding up the game, but they should tweak this to to where you don't have that pitch clock either in the ninth inning or the last at bat because a game cannot be decided in this way. Mm. Israel Gutierrez. I'm buying it. Give me the drama. Tony, baseball needed to be a little bit more exciting, right? Did you hear the play-by-play announcer? He was so excited for something that literally nothing happened. All that happened is a clock wound out. Oh my God, that was... That's the type of excitement baseball needs when a play-by-play announcer can scream when nothing happens. Right, guys, Sola? Clinton's going to have to either put, you know, uh, cover his eyes so he doesn't see the clock or just get used to it. I think it's great. I don't like that end in a tie, but games being shorter was the goal for baseball, and thus far, that's what right. we're doing. It would not end in a tie, of course, in the regular season. I think we can agree on that. I, uh, you know, Clint, I'm kind of with I found myself looking at the clock a lot, you know? Right. And then every at bat, you have a little bit of a cheer. You know, you have pitchers. Leave it in. The point is to make the game better, not to have people staring at clocks. If you have the clock, that's fine. Don't m- force me to look at it. I'm trying to watch baseball. You know, I'm looking at a clock right now while you're talking, Clint. And uh, well, there you go. Oh, hey. <laughs> David Dennis Jr., Frank Isola is going to be our showdown next.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Amazing, impossible, inconceivable weekend in college basketball. Look at these buzzer beaters. All right, Desmond Cambridge Jr., 60-footer to beat number seven Arizona. Matthew Cleveland's rainbow to stun Miami. Maddie Griggs fading away from Memphis over SMU. Caitlin Clark, ice in the vein shot when everybody in the whole arena knew she was getting the ball to beat Indiana. David, which was best? I'm going Caitlin Clark here because this was the one that felt like the least improbable. This felt like it was going in as soon as that play started. Mm-hmm. She was also 34-9-9 and that game. This is a perfect preview for what, is she, what she is going to do for March Madness this ice. season. I actually preferred Caitlin Clark and Iowa getting crushed by the University of Maryland a week ago. For me, it's got to be Arizona right. State. It's a rivalry game. You're on the road. It's half court. You, you make the shot, and that gets you to the magical 20 wins. Mm-hmm. That's a big one, too. I'll, I'll give a point for that. But Caitlin Clark, when everybody knows she's getting the ball, to beat number two, and then there was a Hoosier trying to – Hoosier was holding the ball over her head while in the Cobra pose. Amazing. We'll move on. The amazing, impossible, inconceivable weekend in college basketball had a stare down, too, leading to a comeback overtime win for Iowa. So this is Fran McCaffrey versus Ref. This went on for 22 seconds. Who you got winning the stare down, Frank? And are you crediting the stare down for the win? You're an educator, a leader of men. How do you act? Not like that. Only in college basketball do they let the coaches get away with this. He should have been tossed out of the game. So guess what? I will credit this for winning because he never should have been on the bench for the end of the game. (laughs) Uh, David? I'm not crediting them them, this stare down for the win. They won in spite of this stare down. The coach is your leader, and you folded. That ref took two steps towards you, and you turned around. Oh, you're giving the win to the ref. You chickened out. I love the, the team support staff there, not making eye t- It was a stare down without staring down that they gave. Um, this doesn't touch Frank Robinson versus the umpire from about 15 years ago. We'll give the point to David Dennis. Showdown number three. Amazing, impossible, inconceivable highlight to the Bruins. Amazing, impossible, inconceivable season. I can listen to Jack Edwards scream in dinosaur pterodactyl mode all day. How, on the inconceivable major, how high is it, David? This is the eighth time a goalie has uh, made a shot into an opposing team's goal ever. This is about as improbable as, improbable as it gets. Almost as improbable as Frank Isola winning a faceoff against yours truly. Mm-hmm, Frank Isola. But the goalies try it. They spend all of practice. And if you look at Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur, these guys were great with their sticks. So these guys all the time, they're trying to do it. Did in a game, though. Good for him. Nice. You needed to pull the goalie there here to give a chance, but you didn't. David Dennis Jr., 30 seconds. Thank you. 
Beyonce, Giselle, Nose Carter, why have you forsaken me? I am a man who is usual, used to a lot of rejection. I can take rejection, but I cannot take the rejection of the, my inbox saying that I have been waitlisted for tickets to your oh, concert. Okay. There are all like a right. hundred dates for your concert. Can I please get to one? I know all the songs. Please let me come and sing the songs that my heart wants to sing with you, Beyonce. Please. Directly to the top. Was it predicting work. that FaceTime today? No shame in your game. You're not today's the first winner. guy to beg for her. See you tomorrow.